Are you okay with Trevor? <laughs> Getting the show on the road, man. Recording a Which podcast. Which road did you say we're on? We're on the road. No, I got nothing. I was hoping something would come to me. Like, Is in the there? road of perdition a thing? <laughs> it's oh, a road to perdition. Road maybe to we're on more of a boulevard. Would you say maybe we're on a little bit of a uh, boulevard of broken dreams, potentially? Could say that. We could say that. Not as bad as uh, our opponent on Saturday, that's for sure. That's, yeah. That was a pretty early plug for today's topics. The Matt. second half of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit of a spoiler that we actually did, in fact, play a soccer game. And are going to play a soccer game. Anyway, welcome to uh, Offs Across Bar, Ray Also Like Podcast. Very excited to be here today. Mm -hmm. I am personally excited to be here in the presence of you two, virtually. Mm -hmm. Why? (laughs) Because I like you both. I like you too. It's been a while since Matt and I have been on the same podcast. That's true. Mm -hmm. I was gone last week. Matt was gone the week prior. It has, mm-hmm. and I had yeah. to had to. Uh, what's the saying for uh, having a hard time wrangling up a bunch of people? Mm. I, had, I had to lasso the uh, chickens. I don't know. That seems like something. Heard the cats, <laughs> as it were. Heard, heard the cat. That's what, yeah. I heard the cats <laughs> on that one episode. You did a great job. Thanks. I really yeah, enjoyed and listening. Sarah, to Sarah showed up unexpectedly. Great surprise. We loved that. Um, yeah, it's a it's a Tuesday. I feel like we don't. Do we normally record on like Wednesdays and Thursdays? Do we have a day? I feel like we usually record on Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday, I feel like Tuesday, every Wednesday? Sunday or Monday, Matt asks text when the group ask the group i don't know slacks. matt puts it out slacks. there. he slacks the group that's he slacks that's the verb. group yeah i don't want to like do too much inside baseball he reaches out to us and then asks us slack. what day i microsoft teams the group via slack just kidding, i'd never do that the uh computer chat software yeah and asks tuesday or wednesday i feel like that's the question every week is are we doing tuesday or wednesday that's right yeah, i'd be open recording right. on mondays sometimes there, yeah, there may have been, there's been some Mondays. The problem is, is just like, when it's Monday, we haven't settled, we haven't let our emotions settle. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's good to let our emotions settle. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we got to just record immediately after. In fact, I think the last time we played Seattle in Seattle, that one where we, where Brody scored the game winner uh, to mm. make it 2-1, I think we recorded like, we, we that may have been a Sunday night? game and we recorded like either that night or like the next day. Now we've done a couple of record that night and I always have a good time with it, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. yeah. We have so many like later games this year that I, I, it's, uh, it's kind of tough to, to see that happening, but I, I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a grown up boy. I can stay up late. I can do whatever. I don't, I don't even got no curfew, huh? <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. So I was going to, what was I going to say? We've just, we've I had just a, got jobs. That's all. Yeah. That's, Sometimes we have to go to sleep for jobs. Ooh, yeah, that's true. Um, I was gonna say that uh, I had. Oh, never mind. There's stuff on the dock that is already. I, I guess I can now that we're talking about last week's episode that I did coin the term gladiators. I know that was there was some confusion about where that term came from. I would just like to accept my credit. Uh, you can ask Emma. She, I, I, I coined it with her. Um. And I Kyle. receive a very small amount of royalties every time somebody uses it online. 
it's nothing like to write home about, but let's just say <laughs> that I, I don't know, have a couple Pamplemousse uh, LaCroix on deck mm. that I uh, may have gotten pro bono. Well, sorry, not pro bono. I would, I got paid. I didn't, get, I don't get paid for anything. Sorry, <laughs> actually. Kyle. Yeah. I wanted to issue you a formal apology. Thank you. Because I was definitely there when that. Yes. I feel like I was there when the co- coin was. You turned? were like you were there when the our, term was coined. Yes, it was about. Sure it, was it was almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. We Do you want to know why I remember that? Because we talked about it at beer bar that one night, and <laughs> my my friend sent me a video. That's true. My friend sent me a video uh, that she took of Nick Ramondo taking a photo of you and me snuggling. <laughs> Mm-hmm. like it's a good time and i totally forgot that happened but like nick Ramondo was walking around with the camera and he came up to us and i was and i put my head on your shoulder and it was very cute and adorable mm-hmm. so there's that that photo exists somewhere i can't we remember and i forgot that, that photo we it's i'm pretty sure I it, it was posted still yeah i i def, it definitely does I, sh- I can look for it i um i will say that i totally forgot that it was nick Ramondo that took that photo because i remember seeing that photo a few months ago but then yeah. I saw the video of him taking the photo and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's great. That was a funny night. Yeah, that was like the first uh, like pregame Thursday, I think, at, at Beer Bar before a home Saturday game, which I sh- while I'm thinking about, I did ask Tyler about what the plan is for the Thursday before game day thing. Yeah, the Thirsty Thursdays. And he said they were still trying to determine if it was uh, – going to be either at beer bar or kaye um for the thursday thing which i was like hmm okay uh i will i don't know what the plan is still but uh i, wish I, I had thought a good answer yeah last i talked to him it was the same thing but that was months ago that i talked to him yeah this nah, was that's probably unfair i think <laughs> that's probably not fair it was probably a month or two ago um that's two it was weeks ago put it that way yeah um Matt, when i talked to him two, he said is, he was still, two is months but two is not months the way trevor said yeah so exactly. like that's true that's i made point. it sound like it was like june that i talked to him about this um what do you guys no, let was, me know when we're about to start social i'm gonna try a new thing <laughs> okay sure. um no i talked to him and he said they were scoping out kai and beer bar and i kind of would have thought they would have had it figured out by two days before the first one yeah but I yeah there's also a uh there's like an, uh, it's, is it, Let it's like it up. Women's History about. Month this month, correct? And I think they're doing like some type of, uh, they had like a, a, a one post I saw that was like, it's at Shades on State, I think. Yeah, which um, is right by Himalayan Kitchen. That it, that it is. It's pretty yeah. much downtown. Yeah, Very it's much. definitely. Not like yeah. Exactly downtown, but it's. Close to it. Wednesday, March eighth. Here it is. Shades on State. International State. Women's Day Happy Hour. It's a twenty-one plus event. Uh, Shades on State, three sixty-six South State Street. Doors open at six. Uh, first twenty-five people uh, receive a free scarf, Ooh. and the first drink ticket is Ooh. on the club. Hmm. Okay, so show up if you're going to go. Clyde and can. I'm going to try. Twenty-one or over. Oh yeah, and you're twenty-one or over. Get those fake IDs out children it's time to go claim yourself a scarf yeah okay so if you have a fake id and you get a free ticket from the club but the bar serves you mm-hmm. who's who a is legally liable trevor you oh, have you're a I lawyer th- right i think it's on the bar because a bar has to like scan like the your bar exam ID to, like, or... let you in <laughs> it's no i mean the the establishment the drinking establishment 
Um, it's on. It's like they're the ones that get fined for everything. Like they're the ones breaking the, state, the law, actually. So they have to like. That's why they scan your ID or take a picture of your ID or whatever it is that they do mm. at whatever bar you frequent before mm. you go in. It's their responsibility to ensure that you are twenty one. So if you get in and you get served, that's on them. I don't think it matters who pays for it. Because hmm. like that's yeah. how the stings work. Like when they do the sting operations, like the state is using taxpayer dollars for those. That's they, true. They, they like should have our tax like money with this. They should. I've been always. I've been saying they should use. We need more connections between the local sports teams and cops. I've been. I've been on record. <laughs> I'm always saying this. Um, but yeah, thank yep. you for letting me uh, get my uh, my my credit for Gladiators. Great name for us uh, who enjoy the Justin Glad TikTok content. I also um, I had another conversation with Tyler recently um, because there was uh, a bunch of people talking about how good the game remix videos are, and like the one after Vancouver was really good. Um, and I asked him if they had if the league had figured out some deal with TikTok yet so they could put them on TikTok and they had not. So they still can't post any type of like in-game stuff, like highlights, even photos from that took place in a game. They get fined for that. Right. Um which is ridiculous. And so I here's was like, a man, question. This, yeah. Media has access to raw unclipped video for some things. Yeah. Media is not beholden to that same deal no we should start a tiktok account i don't wanna i should just start <laughs> ripping uh the game remixes off of youtube and posting them on my personal tiktok account which i've never posted on but that could be my that could be my job i might just start doing that actually and see what happens um big things coming like, what's from me. what's the worst that could happen kyle just yeah, in general like, <laughs> I, having just I mean, watched in response to you yeah. Oh, um, okay. Posting somebody else's content on TikTok. Um, potentially th- violating a, a they could just, massive media rights deal for a major. I'm going to go down in a Rico case, and they're, it's going to be me and a bunch of other people who've been posting these TikToks, <laughs> and they're just going to get us all, just like they did with the Sopranos. It's going to. Do you suck. remember when the NFL wouldn't allow clips on Twitter? Yep. Yeah. So that was a struggle. Well, the NBA kind of did that for a while, too, Well, the NBA was the first one to really embrace it. Uh, No, no, no. You're right. I'm thinking of Major League Baseball. MLB was really slow on it, too. I mean, that's fine. Um, They got really upset at some people that were, like, doing genuine good work for the league and drawing new viewers to the league. Yeah. And then they shut them all down, and then they went back to the league. Anyway. Yeah. Finally, yeah. Good for baseball for finally figuring that out, but that it's, was silly. You get eyes on your sport if people, especially if people, are just doing it for free. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a good idea to um, to do that. Anyway, um, what's uh, what's uh, what's going on with you guys, Matt? You look like you wanted to talk about that soda you're opening. What's going on with you socially? Oh, I just mostly wanted to open the soda to introduce social hour and Bev talk. Oh, sorry, I didn't. That's okay. Nice. That was, Good timing. Oh, yeah. so you don't have anything for social hour? I mean, I, I have. I guess I'm drinking a. Well, I haven't started drinking it yet. A Choya, a Japanese Yowanai lemon soda. Ooh, and it's carbonated water, lemon juice, sugar, and lemon puree. Okay. So uh, I'm I'm excited to drink that in a minute. Um, I did take a little trip over to Sage Market this afternoon. Nice. Uh, which is always a good time. I got some garlic oil, which I'm excited to use. Um, I got some more chili oil because I'm 
running low. Uh, soy sauce, because it's always good to have great soy sauce on hand. And it's not like it goes bad. And uh, yeah, I'm, I probably have some other things, but um, did I mention that I finished watching Alice in Borderland? Oh, no, you didn't. Uh, I did no. not know that. I don't think you mentioned that. Mm-mm. Maybe I've mentioned How is it? I thought it was pretty good. Um, okay. I'm, it's funny. Uh, so if you think back to Squid Game, right, there's a scene with some American businessmen. I won't spoil anything aside from saying there's a scene with them. And their acting is very bad. You don't have yeah. that problem here. Mm-hmm. But it kind of reminded me that that it's hard to judge acting talent uh, when you're watching it subtitled and yeah. you uh, have only a very basic Duolingo understanding of the language, which I do. That's about where I'm at with Japanese is a bunch of time in Duolingo so I can say hello and where's the bathroom. Well, do you think go ahead. You How do you say more... hello and where's the bathroom? I'm not going to tell you. That's a secret. <laughs> okay. Do you All think right. you're more or less fluent than Steven Seagal and how much he claims to be fluent? Oh, I don't know. I actually don't there... know anything about this. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Steven Seagal, well, that actually ties into my social hour update is that okay. I am hanging out with, no, I'm not hanging out with Steven Seagal. Anyway, sorry. So <laughs> what, else you, what else have you been up to? Yeah. Uh, oh, I was going to say uh, Alice in Borderland, though, pretty good. Uh, okay. Uh, definitely like more over the top. It's based on a manga. Um, so you get that over the top action and like very over the top characters, but it's a lot of fun. Some nice sci-fi stuff going on. Nice. Um, and then I, I kind of relaunched a newsletter I'd started back in 2020 and then fell off, uh, writing about, uh, speculative fiction in like TV anthologies. Uh, so like the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits and things like that. And uh, I don't think yeah, I, I, I is it through Substack or how, where's the newsletter? Yeah, it's on Substack. Did I get this? I feel like I'm so you, you have multiple. I, I don't know. I have anyway. three Substacks. I write. Yeah, I was going <laughs> yeah. to yeah. through a different one. That's got a couple. Um, but it's uh, the speculative.substack.com if you're interested. I'll share it on my Twitter later, too. Uh, but, it, you know, it's just kind of a fun thing. I like science fiction. I like having something to write about when I'm like engaging in things. Uh, yeah. Whether it's board games or soccer or yeah. Watching TV, I guess. I love there that. You go. I think that's about all I've got for social hour. Okay. That's pretty good. That's good stuff. I'll Trevor. report back on the soda after, uh, after you both go. Okay. That sounds good. My, my LaCroix is exactly how every LaCroix, LaCroix ever is. Also, I know there's been some debate over the pronunciation. I'm not going to say it the other way because that's Pamplemousse <laughs> or Lacroix. Lacroix. The oh, okay, La- sorry. The yeah. Anyway, Trevor, what what's going on? I don't I don't know the other way. I just know that the guy that does the um, chugging a Lacroix and giving it a rating one out of ten, TikTok guy, he does Pamplemousse and he says it Pamplemousse and Have then he you chugs seen? it and it's very funny. Have you seen the guy on TikTok, uh, Rusty Drinks Beers? Uh, no. Okay. It's this guy that's so. like, uh, he does the same thing, except he's doing it with like really concerning amounts of alcohol. Like he drinks like, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to have like uh, this entire like 12 pack of like some beer and I'm going to, he does like periodic check-ins, like depending on it, like throughout yeah, the yeah, process like throughout of drinking them, he's yeah. like, 
all right, checking in after three, checking in after six, after 10, after 13 or whatever. And he's just like getting, he just looks terrible. I mean, he's probably killing himself. But anyway, for any, any of you guys looking for a new genre of TikTok to either start yourselves, the TikTok's been hot on the hot. It's been a hot topic this episode already. But anyway, I've got yes. some ideas if you're looking to, uh, you know, make some, Breaking make some the poor game. choices. Yeah. I know it's I know it's hot on TikTok. I could just we could start a new segment where I'm giving the TikTok report. I've been all, I'm in I've been really dialed into the this week's hottest sounds. So anyway, what's up, Trevor? <laughs> <laughs> um, not much. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm not a bad dad, but I'm going to appear to be a bad dad tonight. Oh, um, let's clip this. <laughs> yeah. No, so tonight, um, Charlie is Charlie is doing drama in school. Um, one yeah. of the classes, they're enjoying it. They're doing the school play. Um, okay. They explained it to me, and I think their like school play isn't like a play. It's like a medley of different scenes from like popular plays and stuff. So they have like sure different characters doing different things, and it's not like telling a story. It's just a it's like a anthology of like scenes, I guess. Um, but anyway, Charlie's in it and is really very excited about it. Um, today is opening day for their performances. Oh, and, and I, like, I should have known this. Um, Charlie's mother invited everybody in the world to go see Charlie on opening day. So my parents are there. My, that my sister and cousins are there. Should we stop recording? No, it's like. (laughs) It's fine. We could just pause for a couple hours. <laughs> no, it's fine. So a whole bunch of people got invited by Kate and by Charlie to all go tonight. And the whole time I was planning on going on the closing night because every time any of my friends were in plays or did like extended performances of stuff in high school and in college and stuff, it was always like the closing night was the most fun, the best night. That was the one. Cause like everybody had like, they weren't nervous anymore. They performed sure, three yeah. or four times. And that was the one night where like, if anybody had like extra jokes or extra lines that they wanted to slip in, like they could do it and not get in too much trouble because it's the last night. So like <laughs> shenanigans were always afoot. <laughs> and so like, that was always the best night. So like from the word jump, Charlie told me about it like two months ago and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to go on. Let's see. Today's Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday's closing night. So I was like, I'm going to go on the Thursday night. That's for sure. We'll, we'll go watch it then. And then afterwards we can like go get ice cream or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Normal dad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But then everybody got invited to opening night. And so I got a text from my parents and I got a text from Kate again being like, Oh, are you coming? You're going to be here. Do we need to save you a seat? And I was like, Oh no, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> Should have planned this a little better. Should have coordinated a little better. So I'm not there. And I'm like the only member in charlie's entire extended family that's not there (laughs) just because we didn't plan this right which is like pretty much how everything goes with kate and i and i'm not criticizing kate that's just what happens we just have different plans we sometimes don't coordinate as well as we should but we're gonna make this the best episode of your life to make it is what it is (laughs) we're gonna make this episode so good i'm gonna go minute by minute through every (laughs) single second of the seattle game and we're gonna just we're going to talk it all the way through. We're going to be recording till the wee hours of the morning just to I make up for the fact. Be able to go minute by minute through the game and okay. I'll tell you why when we get there. All right. 
that's, uh, that's no fine. the other the only other thing notes. is um uh hbo recently picked up um a film it's one of my favorite films of all time some might say it's the best film of all time um and i watched that recently it's called the fugitive uh it's from 1993 stars tommy lee jones and harrison ford <laughs> That that huge I, contingency of people who are who are lobbying for the fugitive, a movie that's been on TNT <laughs> every other Friday for the last like fifteen years. I um, love that movie, despite how stupid it is. It's very very good. It's one of my favorites. You know that question that people ask, like if the if the movie's on, like what movie will you always stop and see? Like if you're scrolling through the channels, it's the fugitive. Like I'll watch it every single time. I probably watched it like sixty times by now. It's got several like just classic lines that yeah. I use in my day-to-day life. I love it. Such a good movie. Do you want to know a fun, fun fact about that movie that I actually just thought about this movie uh, yesterday because of some research I was doing about a player um, on RSL <laughs> is there is a woman in this movie. Her name is L Scott Caldwell. <laughs> <laughs> and on Scott Caldwell's Wikipedia page, it says, like not to be confused with L. Scott Caldwell or whatever, <laughs> the actress. That's um, very funny. So that. yeah, I actually just found out who she was yesterday, and then it's funny that you brought up that movie, and I remembered that she's in that because I was looking at. I was like, what movies is she in? It's The Fugitive. I remember. Um, I don't. I have not been grounded very many times in my life when I was a kid, and yeah. I remember one time when I was in high school, I, um, I accidentally fell asleep at someone's house and like broke curfew, and then. I, I had to stay in the next night and I remember just being on my on my parents couch watching it was one of those like TNT nights where they just like have movie after movie and one of them was The Fugitive and uh, that was the last time I watched it and I remember being like whoa this is the best movie ever is Tell what you. I definitely said probably very good so well it's on HBO so you can watch it again thank goodness get reacquainted with it i love i love the way you're just like really maximizing your hbo subscription because you're like the last of us is on here i gotta just Mm -hmm. really like get as much value out out of it as possible and you're just trying to and it's just like it's just so fortuitous that you that this movie got added to hbo (laughs) because like you're probably the only person that's watched it since it got added to hbo oh that's not true i'm sure there's millions of us (laughs) millions We've been waiting for more Tommy Lee Jones yeah. material to intake. That's, Speaking that's of, right. oh my goodness. Hang on. We got to pause the show. I got to check something here. Like actually pause the show? Or no, not like, actually pause the show. There's a movie I mean, that Tommy that. Lee Jones is in and oh, it should be on HBO. Oh, Men in Black. Check. Is that the no, one? No, it's, it's legitimately one of my favorite movies. I've only ever seen it once. I know a movie that Tommy Lee is in, but it's not yeah. appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> Nope, I'm not getting those two confused. It is called The Sunset Limited, and I'm gonna go watch it tonight if it the is Sunset on, if it's still on HBO Max. Hold on, is that the one I'm thinking of? Because I always get it confused with something stupid. Yeah, Are you thinking of No Country for Old Men? Because that's no, actually I'm a thinking good movie. of okay. that is also a very good movie. But no, also, I'm you're right. Of, that is also equally good to <laughs> The Fugitive. <laughs> this is a Cormac like one A one B right here. <laughs> that's right. No, the Sunset Limited is uh it's also Cormac McCarthy. It's Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson, and it's just two dudes. There it takes place like in a single room, and it's just them talking for like two hours. One of them is oh, suicidal and the other is like movie. trying to talk him out of it. And then they just have like a conversation about like life and religion and spirituality and like 
whether life is worth living and, and just all of the facets of that whole like thing. It, it's very, very good and very interesting. I really like it. And yeah. All right. This one actually might be a good, a good movie. one. No, it ge- like we're joking about The Fugitive. I really like it, but I recognize that it's kind of dumb. The Sunset Limited is legitimately a very good movie. Okay. Fair enough. It It's on Matt's watch list on Letterboxd. Did you just add that seconds ago, Matt? Or No. I, no it's on your well, watch list on Letterboxd. All right. Probably because Trevor's talked it. about it in another episode. I he feel like have. it definitely did. <laughs> He's always talking about this. <laughs> um, so that's the... It looks like the second thing that Tommy Lee Jones directed. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the first? Uh, it's a movie called The Three Burials of, uh, I, I don't know Spanish super well, Melquiades Estrada. Nice. nice. And the text is really small on the poster for that part. Hold on. Where are we? So you could probably just call it The Three Burials. So what else, Trevor? What else has been going on? Uh, that's pretty much um, not anything like really huge. Hold on. Um, oh, we did have a very funny situation at work um, that I documented on my alternative Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I spent like pretty much all week last week was just simply moving uh, a fire panel in a like condo building. Um, it's like a three story building that just has a whole bunch of condos and it's just got a commercial fire system as a standard. They were renovating the space that it was in, and so it needed to be moved from one spot to a different spot. And that basically just means taking all the existing wiring and just splicing on new wiring, running that wire to the new spot, and then just reconnecting all of it. The panel is very, very old. Um, And we told them to get a new one, and they refused, but so whatever. Um, But we had to, like, mark and label every wire. It's all very meticulous. The panel is old enough that, like, none of the guys that, work for peak like are very familiar with it and there's like no documentation on it so like if something doesn't work when we fire it up like there's very little that we can do to like fix it and troubleshoot it if we need to buy like a new part like we can't because the company doesn't exist anymore it's one of those so we were very meticulous and very um thought through every step of the process and did the whole thing all right and it took like four days uh, moved everything over then got it all connected and was ready to power it up. And we brought their electrician over because they're like wired into the electrical circuit um, of the place. The electrician hooked it all up, turned the power on, and it just didn't power up. It was just <laughs> dead. <Nice. laughs> it just, just didn't work. And that was like Friday at like four o'clock. So it was a mad scramble for the contractor to um, get what's called Firewatch. Basically, if you are doing like any kind of renovation or work on a fire system in a commercial building or like a residence, um, like a condominium place. If you don't have a commercial fire system, like in the building, you have to have somebody just sitting there making sure that the fire, that the building doesn't catch on fire. Wow. And it's very expensive because you got to pay the guy like $30 an hour to sit there and you just have to have him there at all times if there's not a fire system. So he had to scramble to get that set up and that's a huge pain. And then we get back there Monday and he shows up and is like begging us to get a new panel in and calling our sales guys and trying to get that all figured out. And then he showed up and looked at it and was like, Oh, it looks like it's on now. Everything's okay. We're good. So we have no idea what happened, but everything's working. It just started working over the weekend. 
Nope. So it happened. That's just a classic <laughs> case of taking the cartridge out, blowing in it, and putting it back in. Just pretty much. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, that was that was my entire work week last week. Nice. Much. I uh, good one. I guess with mine, I was going to ask: Are you caught up with The Last of Us? Did you watch the one this this weekend? I did not watch the one oh. this last weekend, but I know it's what pretty, episode it is. Yeah, and I know pretty, where it is in the game. Yeah, and the problem is the guy that I talked to the show about talked to at work about the show. Sure, um, hasn't played the game, mm-hmm. so he can't like tell me if it's exactly like the game but i described what happens in the game and he yeah. was like yeah that's kind of it but there's some small differences which is like what every episode is so i, the, I know the generally what's, what's going on yeah the subreddit um and the post episode discussions is always interesting because I, I didn't play the game either but people a lot of the comments in there are like comparing the game versus the show sure hmm. um so yeah i don't know it's interesting um yeah so i did that um had a bunch of fun uh crazy life stuff going on but i went to uh i went to snowbird on saturday um and went and did a little did a little snowboarding it was really nice up there and then the second half of the day got really really snowy which was also very nice and really fun um and what wasn't fun was getting down the canyon when it's that snowy. Uh, it was like, it took my dad and me probably, we got to the car at four and we didn't, my car was parked down um, in Sandy on Highland and uh, 94th. And it we didn't get there till like 6.30 about. So it takes about two and a half hours to get from Snowbird to Highland Drive in Sandy. That's um, too long. Like it shouldn't <laughs> it take that long, long normally. It was too long. It, everyone was going like one mile an hour, which was a good call because the canyon's so steep, so narrow, and there was so much snow. It was just like it was pretty sketchy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was a, that was exciting. Um. Let's see what else. Watch Liverpool absolutely smash the uh, smash the crap out of Manchester <laughs> United. That was very that was lovely. I loved watching that. I loved savoring that. Watch every bloody minute of that and it was it was the best um yeah it's been uh one time since time in life is a blur yeah um there is a uh new mode on call of duty Warzone. okay (laughs) i've been playing it's called uh resurgence it's pretty fun i mean they had it in the last war zone but been playing a little bit of that as well um yeah uh nothing nothing else to report but it's been it's been it's been some time i'm ready to uh have a little bit of a home game this weekend and i'm a little worried about the weather but it does appear like it's going to be warmer than it was on our home opener last year even if the uh even if it gets like rainy or whatever last year was just very cold so cold yeah first couple of games are always cold um um yeah, I just plan on the first two or three games being very miserable, and then the last two or three games being kind of miserable, with a lot of misery in between, like in the July and August games. Yeah, but it's not as miserable anymore because my seats uh, were still in section. Matt, what section are we in? We're in section three. I think so. I think we're in the shade. That's the important bit. Um which was just a fantastic decision. I'm sure we talked about it at least once or twice last year, but very, yeah. very happy to be in the shade. So and do I have this right? Every single home game 
this year is at 730. I think uh, so. I don't, I'll double check real quick. I think that's, that's what they, the case. That's what somebody was saying that the TV deal did was everything was at 730 local time. Yeah, they they formalized the time. So every I think it's home early. game, yeah, every, I think every home game is at seven thirty this year. But anyway, um, hopefully great. doing some RSL stuff this week in the lead up to the game. Hopefully see people at either that thing tomorrow at Shades. Um, not sure if I'll be there yet, but uh, if not, I will be at something on Thursday. I would assume because that was um, that was such a great time last year. Also computer says it's not charging and, and i do not know why but other than that doing all right if you want to look at look at why it's not charging i can talk about this delicious beverage yeah how, how do how is that by the way this is the best thing i've had in a long time honestly i don't know about thing uh best soda i've had in a long time uh this okay. yoanai lemon uh i'm gonna read the thing it says <clears throat> in japanese or english English. Sorry. Okay. All right. Never cutting corners when it comes to quality. We created a new refreshing drink with natural Sicilian lemons. Using our ultra fine processing technique, we make a smooth puree from the whole fruit, including the zesty peel, and blend it with the lemon juice. There you go. Ooh. That's as sensual as I could read it. That is that was pretty nice. I like a little that. extra. Yeah. Well, not not the reading. The reading was great. Just a little, like the description. Uh, like it's a lemon soda. You um, can just I, say I, you put lemon in soda. And it's more than soda. lemon, though. It's that they make a smooth puree from the whole fruit, including the zesty peel. And okay. actually, I think that's why this is so good. Is you lose a lot when you take out the peel, right? It's a true. lot of juicing removes the peel, but there's a lot yeah, of uh, it's really good oils and. Flavors. Something else. Uh, yeah, flavors in the peel. Flavonoids. I've been saying we need more zest. Yeah. Thank you for bringing the zest, Matt. You're welcome. We did, I forgot to mention, we did make brownies this weekend. Um, we Ooh. just made like brownies out of a box, but Charlie wanted to jazz them up. I usually and make I was, brownies in a pan. Sorry. What I mean is we used <laughs> a brownie mix. The brownie mix was out of a box, and then we mixed that up and then put that in the pan. I, I should have been more clear. It's my fault, Matt. No, we had a good moment because of it. <laughs> anyway, no. So we made that. And Charlie was like, these brownies are just going to be boring because they're just like chocolate. And they're like, can we do something fun with these brownies? And I was like, I, I don't usually do that. But if you want to do something, go for it. And then they actually took the time and like researched like brownie recipes. And they were like asking me a whole bunch of like different flavor combinations and stuff that would go together. And they were like, what about orange? Would orange go good with chocolate brownies? And I was like, Ooh, uh, you yeah. bet. Absolutely. So they figured out. orange. Yeah. So we did. Well, Ooh. that's what I was thinking was we'd like caramelize it or do some fancy stuff. And they just wanted to get uh, some of the zest from oh, yeah. an orange and then do like orange extract, like flavor, whatever. Mm, yeah. Um, so we put that in and we put some almonds in. And I think we did some chocolate chips as well. And they were Look at you. phenomenal. They were really, really good. Wow. Okay. I love that. I love that for you. Should we uh, talk Thanks for news? reminding me about that? Yeah, we yeah. should. Speaking of things that needed a little zest, let's talk about soccer. How's that for transition? Zesty, zesty oh, soccer podcast. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. 
we'll leave that. So in. the first item of note is that I was wondering, I asked this uh, in a uh, an application that's generally used for companies to communicate with each other, but I won't say what. Anyway, let's just say I slacked these guys and I was wondering <laughs> um, what, like where Brian, Brian Vera is. And it turns out he's still in Columbia with an O and he's um, working out, I guess. <laughs> so uh yeah he has to stay extremely handsome somehow yeah he does yeah he's looking pretty ripped um so yeah uh that's something it's kind of i I don't know what the status is there or how soon they're planning on or hoping to have him here but he's if it's anything like andres gomez uh pablo assigned him some homework some workout homework he's probably just doing that i guess so um that's cool (laughs) That's cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. so uh, probably push back his debut even further. Um, but you know, yeah. being a being a center back depth piece may have pushed his his appearance back further as well. Not annoyed about that, by the way, at all. No, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. So that's weird. And then this, um, this all feels very familiar. I feel like this happens every year with one or two players. They just like aren't there during preseason, even though they were signed and announced and like, Oh, like the whole Vera thing. Like if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, but like we kind of knew it was happening for like two weeks. And then like, we knew that it was going to be announced and we just kept getting back like, Oh, it's not like the, it's going to happen, but the paperwork's not cleared yet. And that was a period of time. And then all of a sudden they announced it. And now it's been how long since the announcement and he's not in the country training with the team. And like this team, this coach is going to be, we're already into Pablo sucks talk. Sorry. (laughs) This team and this coach is just very much like, oh, the guy needs to be here. And then it'll be like four to six weeks before he's like up to speed with the speed of the league or some garbage. Um, And he's not like quite fitting in with the team yet. And then once he finally does fit in with the team, he gets like spot substitute minutes until like the middle of the summer. And then that's when they actually start making an impact. The thing is, is like days away from it being a month. Sorry. Kyle. Yeah. I, the thing is, <laughs> is like, so I don't, I feel like the time between our announcement and Andres uh, for Gomez and Andres Gomez actually showing up in the country was pretty close together. That's true. Yeah. He's kind I don't of know the why that one was, I don't know what goes into these things anyway. Um, I don't either. It's just, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say like it happens every single time to every single player. It's just frustrating it feels when like it does every it, it feels like it's happened more than once and hey, it's just gonna thing, be Trevor, like a constant like we're two to three weeks out we're two to yeah. three weeks out you should take some solace in the fact that even if he were here he wouldn't be starting anyway so it doesn't yeah, even matter <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> he's cb3 so um and justin glad and marcelo silva have been uh mostly fine so um yeah. he's yeah anyway uh okay so the next thing there's been some there's been some chatter about this um, about this announcement that's been teased that's going to be uh, a big a major club announcement that's that's taking place uh, on on Saturday. You know, people have been saying that we should keep it quiet. I have I have other ideas, and the thing the major club ma- announcement I'm just going to go ahead and tell all of you right now is that America First Field is becoming America Firster Field, and it's just going to be even more first than it was previously That's and great. that sounds a little less racist it's uh yeah firster um it's a little bit 
it takes the edge off and i think that they're they've like nailed it so i think somehow? they've nailed it they've consulted like zero people not yeah, us it, anyway you know they didn't consult us they consulted brand experts they consulted i mean who's a better brand people. expert than this podcast for yeah, real that's, that's what i'm saying and I, so it's a little my only complaint is that we weren't asked um but like they absolutely nailed it i would have that's why we're breaking the embargo on this news mm-hmm. right now yeah, it's kind of I, I understand that I'm breaking a lot of trust that we've we've garnered with the club. Uh, we've built Wait, this. Have we garnered trust? Oh, yes, we have. And I'm throwing wow. it all away because I trust our audience <laughs> more that America First Airfield is where is the new home of huh. Real Salt Lake. All right. So ne- next item, I guess. Yeah. So uh, pre- pre- uh, prepare yourselves. I mean, you don't have to prepare anymore because I just told you, but. Major club announcement coming on Saturday uh, before the game. We we won't say what we think it is, but I'll just say that I have a friend who works at a sign shop and he's been making signs that just say ER constantly. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that are. (laughs) Yeah, we've got sources on this information. I got people on the ground and I'm really excited about it. Great. Should so. we move on? Yeah, let's let's move on. I mean, I don't know what else to say about the major club announcement that's happening on on Saturday. We've been waiting for years, by the way, um, to yeah. hear about this. So, technically, I mean, uh, over one year, right? Since the yeah, name. that's what I'm saying. A year well, is when. When did the name change? That's a was serious like, question. It was like two months ago, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's know. crazy that they're already changing it again. I remember um, <laughs> I was going to go to the press conference and yeah, I drove so to the stadium and I didn't have my computer with me. Yeah, that's right. so just I around around that. I it was like end of summer. I parked and then I said, oh no, I forgot my computer and drove home. Yeah, I think yeah, it was end of summer. summer. That sounds right. But, Warm but not scorching. That sounds right. Anyway. Sort of like our taste. Um, Real Monarch, Salt Lake City, uh, that other team. Is uh, is in preseason for St. Louis City, Real Monarchs, St. Louis City, uh, are in preseason right now. Um, get get stoked, get get hyped. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay more attention to the Monarchs this year. That's my that's my uh, my solemn promise to everyone. Great, if if you want, I encourage you to pay more attention to the Monarchs because. I, I'll pay exactly the same amount of attention as I did last year, which was like some, but not a lot. I'm yeah, really excited about attention uh, a year. Yeah, like I I'm, yeah. keep track of scores sometimes. I'm really excited about this guy, uh, uh, Jaziel Orozco. It looks like um, big things coming from him this year. Promising. Ooh, Kyle. Prospect. Kyle. Huh. Yes. I, uh, real quick. Mm-hmm. I got some. I got an update on the okay. Jaziel Orozco situation. Sure. He featured heavily for the Monarchs last year, so you'd be okay. forgiven to think that he could continue to feature heavily for the Monarchs or maybe yeah. even RSL this year. Yeah. Um, but the player and or the club had other ideas, and oh. he is now playing in uh, Mexico for a team in Mexico. And he's going to develop there and not here. Ah, uh, okay. Instead oh, of wait. seeing a potentially exciting 19, 19? He's 19, right? So, uh, instead of seeing a potentially he's exciting... 18 years old. Young RSL Academy product. Uh, we're gonna see Brian Vera training pictures from Colombia for the next couple months. <laughs> from- <laughs> um, yeah, no, he uh, he's yet to feature for Santos, uh, by the way. So mm-hmm. I I don't know. I guess maybe he's played on the second team. 
Maybe. Yeah, I'm looking that up now. Not nothing to report in. Uh, oh, yeah, Santos Laguna lost five nil on February 24th to Toluca. Wow, that's embarrassing. Would hate to be a member of that organization. Oh, speaking of uh, Mexico, I went to uh, Tacos Lopez in West Jordan the other day for a small pot store. That was extraordinarily good. So Wait, hold on. Do I know this place? It's on Redwood and like 72nd, I think. Um, I think I know this place. Hold on. Sorry. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, that was basically. I've got to I've got to check. Oh, he did play is. for the U20s once. Uh, Santos's U20s a single time. He went 25 minutes. So great. Um, I don't know. There's still time. <sighs> oh, I know this place. I've not been to this place. Yeah, it's good. But I trust. Remember how we signed Brian Vera and we thought, oh, that, you know, makes sense to have a starting left back option who is not Brian Oviedo. Yeah. And then we loaned out Haziel Orozco. Mm -hmm. And it turns out those two might have been more related than unrelated. It does appear to be the case. Yeah. Which I, I, I was unaware of. But uh, anyway, so uh, Monarchs are playing. Uh, someone named Storley is there. Heller Storley. Yeah, somebody, I put that in. I don't remember if it was you, Matt, or if it was Lucas, or who it was. But somebody pointed out a couple times that Keller Storley was still like training with the first team all the way up until like a week before the first game. And they were very concerned that Keller Storley was going to be like signed to RSL. Yeah, yeah that's because of how much he was playing with the first team. Uh, he's with the Monarchs now. He's not with, with RSL. He's That sounds like a euphemism. He's with the yeah. Monarchs now. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was not somebody that uh, I personally was very excited about if he was going to be an RSL signing. I'm sure he'll be fine for the Monarchs. I don't want to make it sound like he's garbage and trash, but he's just like <laughs> one of those kids that like kind of, I feel like, went out and tried to become a professional soccer player and then bounced around a couple second divisions. Yeah. A couple places. Spain. And I think he was last in the second division in Costa Rica. Yeah. And what? then he came up to RSL and was trying to play here. So like second division, Costa Rica. I it looks like so. he attended high school in the U S via apex learning virtual school to pursue his <laughs> dream of playing in Spain. That's, that's not, Wait, is he American? Yeah, he is. Why yeah, is he's he... like six foot four, um, white kid. Why was his name so... is Keller? So yeah, huh? Okay. Remember, Keller is such a strange first name. I found. Like, um, wow. Yeah, I found a big soccer thread about him. So I just was gonna click on that. Perfect. Oh, Iron Deep Bicycles in there too. Oh, nice. He said, Storley is listed as a non-roster invitee for Real Salt Lake this upcoming preseason. He posted that on January 9th. Yeah, I totally missed that. And uh, yeah, Getafe youth player. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, it's not, um, I mean, I guess he must not have watched the preseason games then. <laughs> yeah. What do, I, like, I guess I didn't read the roster anyway. Um, I think that's okay. That's fine. Uh, another thing, Trevor, you've got a Pablo Ruiz update. Is that correct? I do have a Pablo Ruiz update. Um, I was under the impression that he was already in town. He's not. Me too. Um, he is not in the U.S. as of <laughs> today. Today, Tuesday. As of Tuesday. Uh, um, yeah, the question that I asked was if he was at training today and if he's going to be available for this weekend. 
And the answer that I got was no and maybe. Um, but yeah, apparently what uh, it is, is he has his green card, but as part of the process, you have to hand over your passport. He hasn't been given his passport back, so he can't get on the plane to get back to the U S they're hoping he can get on a plane tonight and he'll be back in time to train a couple of times before this weekend, but no guarantees. I mean, no way he'd train tomorrow. So we're talking Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Tomorrow the team doesn't train. They don't train on Wednesdays. Oh, well. Or at least not this week. The schedule says that they're off on Wednesday. Yeah. Anyway, welcome back, Kyle. Thanks. Yeah, that was weird. Are we recording again? Yeah, I I wanted to catch Trevor out at least once. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. Sorry. So, I mean, yeah, my power went out for like a brief second and uh, reset the internet and everything. Anyway, but we're back. We're chilling. Um, Trevor, I'm assuming you finished your bit about Pablo Ruiz. Yes, I did. Did you catch it? No, but I, I, did you say? Do you want to guess? Can we make he's you probably guess? not going to play. Let's make Kyle guess. Um, yeah. Maybe. How many training sessions do you think he'll have before now? He'll have completed game? two this week. Two. I think yeah, that's maybe. the maximum. We'll see. He'll, you're hoping that he flies, hoping to be on a plane for the U.S. tonight? Hoping? No. Okay, yeah. So basically, we're gonna see Jasper and uh, uh, Ojeda again. Correct. I would plan on yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, also, we should talk about Ojeda. Yeah, he's go. been good. Um, huh. Yeah. Um, well, never mind. I'll I'll save that for later. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's Pablo? Oh, yeah. And then the next, should we just move on to the next thing, Trevor? Matt? Yeah, let's just move okay. on. Okay, so Hashtag that's, that's a bummer about Pablo Ruiz. Um, you know, is what it is. Uh, Brian Dunseth is going to be doing the RSL game on March 25th. He will not be doing the um, game this week. They've been, they've been putting him on um, bigger games, but I should also mention, I, I, uh, I, I know I talked to you guys about this in Slack, but after that first weekend of MLS, I was just like, Dunny really is like kind of in the uh, upper echelon of MLS commentators, I think, at this point for Apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kyle, you were talking about one we're, Brian Dunseth. I was talking about Brian Dunseth. For a little peek behind the curtain, uh, the power went out and my internet is having a tough time uh, at the moment. Uh, but anyway, I was talking about how Dunny's doing the game on t- uh, on the 25th um, for RSL. He, I, I think we talked about this at some some episodes before, but he was uh, basically saying that he wasn't going to be doing very many RSL games. That definitely appears to be the case. So it'll be interesting to see how many we do actually get with him. Which is kind of a bummer because he's a pretty good commentator. Um, but it turns out they want him on on pretty big games. So we're basically getting the uh, no national game treatment no nationally televised game treatment but with dunny not being our commentator instead so dunny is our national tv guy yeah he's the national tv guy and uh yeah kind of kind of just is what it is do you know where they are they are they sending commentators on site to every game i can't remember i I mean i think so no i I know when we talked about it like months ago and it was like still kind of unsure about how everything was gonna go why don't you ask um, were, again on Saturday and we'll have a definite answer. Yeah. They were um, talking about sending everybody to booths in either LA or Miami, whichever was closest to them. But mm. I 
don't think that's what they're doing because I think Taylor Twelman was on site at St. Louis last week, and I think I'm sure that's, he was. wasn't he? I feel yeah, like he was there for the home opener, and I thought guy. he was a commentator. So, and yeah, the uh, when we played Vancouver, we had Canadian commentators. Yeah. yeah. So. so, so I think they're hmm. going to the. St- I hope they are because like the standard of the production says that they should be. Yeah, and I mean it. It certainly feels like they are right. Yeah, yeah. There's, That's for sure. There hasn't been any like goofy. We don't know what's happening. So we you. have this list on here that's the stupid stadium list from Trevor. I'm curious what this is. Oh no, <laughs> I forgot that we were <laughs> that we were gonna put this on. No, it's just some dude on Twitter. Hang on, let's pull it up and look at it. Um, some dude on Twitter put together his own like list of potential like. He graded every stadium in MLS on a scale of one to 10 in four categories. And it's just the worst list in the world. The categories are uh, location. Is the stadium in an interesting neighborhood? Are there things to do nearby? Um, is the stadium or for accessibility? Is the stadium easily reachable by different modes of transportation? Uh, the building itself, is it well designed for playing and watching soccer? And atmosphere, is a fan atmosphere exciting? And he rated everything on a scale of one to 10. Um, Matt, I think I already told you what was number one. Did I tell you what was number one stadium, Kyle? I don't think you did. If you had to guess, just knowing what you know about MLS, MLS fans, stadiums you've been to, stadiums you've attended or seen on TV, which one do you think is the number one on this dude's list? Is is it going to be like Yankee Stadium or something? No. (laughs) That's good. No, Yankee's as good as that. He broke his own rule for Yankee Stadium and gave him a negative score on the... Is a building oh, well good. designed for playing and watching soccer? Oh yeah, um, man, that's tough. Is it a Western Conference team or Eastern? It Conference? is a Western Conference team. Just think of what's the most ridiculous one that it could did possibly he, be. Did he say Portland? He said Seattle. <laughs> Providence Park. This is the thing that like really fired me up about this. Uh, Providence Park, he rated it, uh, let's see, where was it? He chose the other baseball stadium. No. Yeah. Is the building well-designed for playing and watching soccer? He scored it an 8 out of 10. Uh, I don't know how many literally people. literally obstructed views. <laughs> I don't know how many people, how many of our listeners have been to the Portland Stadium. There's like hundreds, maybe thousands of seats that have obstructed views because there's thousands. holes in the way. Yeah. And the visiting section, if you go to the visiting section, where we were last time, up at the top, you can't see parts of the field because the roof over it like comes low enough that it like blocks like actual part of the, you can't be up at the top. You have to be down below. Yeah, it made um, it very hard to see Aaron Herrera get a red card. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, or no, it's not the roof. It's the the press box and like the camera row. Anyway, um, also like a huge portion of the seats are just benches with no backrest, which is obnoxious as all get out. Uh, anyway, it's just it's a not it literally isn't designed for watching soccer or playing soccer it's a turf field which should count for negative some kind points. of negative whatever yeah and it's That's awesome it's literally a converted baseball diamond i did have fun there though oh we have fun i'm not saying we I mean, don't but oh, unbelievable <laughs> okay anyway, i was really mad at that uh rsl oh he also like gave it a final grade um like a tier um for yeah. what it belongs in uh, so between world class, excellent, great, fine but flawed, and move someday question mark and move immediately exclamation mark, 
where do you think uh, RSL and as he calls it Rio Tinto Stadium uh, fits in? That's fine. We can call it that. Ooh, uh, he probably gave it put it like twentieth or something. Uh, close. It landed in the bottom, the very bottom of fine but flawed, just above move someday. Nice. He rated uh, it a four. Is the building well designed for playing and watching soccer? Got a four out of ten. Okay. okay. Like, I, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> this is I what I'm saying. It used to be a ten, honestly. Uh, and then they put in that stupid field? premium box. Yes. Yeah. That kind and of. That makes ingress and egress on the east side truly miserable. I'm not and even so miserable. I give an eight just, instead of a nine. You just have to like go around a little bit. Like yeah. tr- well, if it, you're talking about tightens, moving around, right? yeah, yeah. But if you're talking about like moving around a stadium, like again, to compare it to Providence Park, oh, that's literally true. the most difficult stadium <laughs> to move around. Yeah, it's, like they you don't just gotta like, let you actually. You just gotta like go around, and like it's very easy to go around. It adds a couple of steps, but like it's definitely possible. But oh my god! Anyway, um, the worst stadium I on the list is here. A you dog ran on the field in Philadelphia's CCL game. <laughs> Oh, nice. nice. Resume. There's a video. Where's the game? Uh, the other Away, team. isn't it? Yeah, I can't see the, Oz- can't see the name. Who are they playing? Alianza? Uh, Is that who they're playing? Yeah. We'll see that in just one second. They are, and that's uh, an yeah, Alianza FC. That's awesome. They haven't lost in nine matches. The uh, Alessandro hasn't. Mm. Um, 0-0 going into the 72nd minute. Um um oh, Gillette nice. Stadium is the lowest rated um stadium on his list. Um FC Dallas is second worst, which I don't agree with, but it's not great. Uh Subaru <laughs> Park, Philadelphia Union is like it's near the bottom, just above Yankee Stadium, which Look is at the dog. The dog grabbed the ball. <laughs> I know it's not great. <laughs> the dog grabbed the ball and he's carrying it off, and he the dog looks so happy to be there. <laughs> Oh, we got to show Sarah. This is awesome. He just grabs the ball and tries to run away. Oh, he's having so much fun. Do you think he punctured the ball? He was trying to. Probably. Oh, man. That's so great. Wow. Thank you. Um, We also have a link in here uh, to Caleb Turner's Twitter where he uh, reported through the RSL team store that they are now selling wearable sleeping bags, which is actually the second time today this has come up in my life because during wearable uh, sleeping bags. Yeah, during my sprint retrospective this morning, we actually were talking about the concept of wearable sleeping bags and how I have one. The brand Polar, like Polar Outdoor Stuff, they used to or still do make something called the Knapsack, and it's a wearable sleeping bag that has a hood and sleeves with um, zippers so you can zip it up. But one of the very important features that it has though is that it has a cinch at the bottom and the benefit of the cinch is that if you want it in sleeping bag mode you just cinch it below your feet but if you want to be walking around with it you can use the cinch as like a belt so you fold the sleeping bag into itself and then cinch it around your waist and now you have a sleeping bag uh like sort of dress situation because it goes to about your knees so um yeah anyway shout out to the rsl team store for selling that um, I guess it's a different brand, but you know, than the one Kyle, I can have. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What is a sprint retrospective? <laughs> it's 
It's, it's, just, it's a sprint retrospective. It's just it's literally just uh, hey, was, what did we do for the last two weeks? What did what went well? What didn't go well? What are we gonna do next time? That's this is one of those working in an office things that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Okay. It's very much a tech thing. So think of yeah. it this way: it's <laughs> like if you went in at the end of your week and said, "Here's where the wires went wrong," and okay, here's how the wires hurt my feelings and that sounds awful. Like that. Yeah. It um, sounds like. Dog. This is awesome. I don't, Sounds like a I waste don't, of time. I don't think these look like the best wearable <laughs> sleeping bags. Uh, okay, like let's, let's talk about what makes a, a, the best wearable sleeping bag. What's I mean, wrong with these and what could be better? It, it looks like it's not. I mean, it looks like cotton, right? Yeah. It looks like a cheap sleeping bag that you can wear. But like a so, good sleeping bag you can wear is super great. This looks like what well, I think I understand where you're coming, where you're going with this. This looks yeah. like something that would be good to wear around the house, but not outdoors. Yeah, yeah. This I is not like great. weather weather resistant proof material. No, not even like. not even a little. And I mean, so if, if it rains a little bit, you're hooped. Or even if you know there the temperature drops enough that it hits dew point and you're outside in a tent, like it, you're gonna get wet. It's, it's, it's a problem. Have they even considered the dew point? I don't. I don't think they have. Who yeah. who does consider the dew point these days? I'm always considering the dew point. Well, I'm always thinking about it. The igloo wearable sleeping bag. Igloo. Okay. Igloo wearable. Isn't it spelled goofy? Like I-G-L-U or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm... Igloo's the company, right? Or not? Trouble finding. Them. Yeah. I don't see any... I don't see that, actually. That's, I don't see a, anything called igloo. Wait a minute. Weird. I'm not seeing it either. Huh. I don't like what's going on here. I, that looks like a brand name, right? Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. And if you zoom in on the one with Demir in it, and you you have to get past the smiling face, which I know is tough. Um, you can see the, the name, and it is IGLU. Okay, IGLU. There's igloo.net. Make remote work work for you. That's not. Yeah. Okay. Shop igloo. Ball. Wait. We deliver igloo worldwide. What is this? Igloo products? Igloo wearable sleeping bags. What is this? This huh. is crazy. I don't know what's going on here. What is this oh, we've, company? We've got to d- dive deep on this. Yeah, this is worth our time. That's for dang sure. <laughs> we, we have to do this on pod. We can't wait. Igloo appears also to be like a... Uh, this doesn't exist. Like a child's toy company <laughs> based in... What's L dot L V? What's what's that country? Latvia. Um, ooh, that's a good shout. What's dot L V? Dot L V domain is the internet country code top level domain for Latvia. It was what on is a Latvian igloo soft play begins at huh. the largest polyethylene foam manufacturing company in the Baltics in 2015. Okay, so it's not that igloo. Igloo student igloo accommodation. Like, this is crazy. If igloo is like the make and not the model, if you know what I mean. I so guess. there's nothing. Like it's made by a different company and like just that line of sleeping bags is called igloo. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you'd be able to find it. That's the, I know. the truly bizarre thing here. This is crazy. Huh. I mean, it is a nice rendition of the crest. Like I have to admit that. Yeah, they use the um Yeah, I like that crest. That's that's the good crest. 
and the zippers look okay. But like this it's got a hood on it, and it's got the you know the classic cheap hoodie pulls so that you can lose them. Yeah, that's like okay. So I'm looking at it. a completely different company that does the exact same thing, and they've got some pretty dope features that I don't think this one has. Does this one have removable booties? <laughs> no. Does it have an adjustable? This hood? is crazy. I don't know what, Elastic I don't know what to make of this. Quite honestly. Bro, these are dope. I do not know what to make of this. This is this is kind of eating at me. It's fine though. Um, uh, we don't need to mention the last the thing bo- on the news. But we did talk about it before added? we started recording. Elon Musk fighting with the uh, <laughs> Howie guy. I, I put that on there as a joke. I was hoping Matt would see that. Okay. I did see that. I, you know. <laughs> We don't, we don't have to talk about it. It's fine. We, okay, we talked about, about it offline. Let's, and that was good let's talk about let's talk about Elon the Musk is a for, big dummy. Moving on. Okay, let's talk about the Seattle game. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, Trevor, why, why why can't you go minute by minute through this game? You said you had a uh, reason. Yeah, we were at beer bar um, watching the game. It was me, Colin, Andy, and friends nice. that were there. Um, good time had by all, but. Beer bar, I don't think had purchased like the um like TV viewing like package that bars usually do, like through direct TV or whatever. Um, I think they just had somebody's Apple TV and they <laughs> oh. just like airplayed it to all of their projectors. Okay. Yeah. And so like 25 minutes into the first half, um, it broke down and paused for like a minute or two and couldn't reload. And then it played for like five more minutes and then it broke down and paused again and then they couldn't get it back up until the second half began oh okay so we just missed uh kind of a big portion of the game we didn't miss any goals or any cards or anything oh you you saw the first goal um yeah trying to remember what it was who scored it jordan morris yes we saw the first goal okay so let me let me take you through a little bit of what i wrote down about like I, i did take notes not necessarily minute by minute but i did leave I did make, uh, you know, a page full of notes. Um, and let me go. I don't I don't know. I don't necessarily need to read all of these, but I, I did. I did like to note these down because I was kind of noting like different patterns I was seeing. Um, and one thing I made a top level note, uh, not that wasn't minute by minute, but just something I put at the top of the page because I didn't want to forget it. Um. Our midfield was really bad in this game and mm-hmm. very disjointed between both the defense and the attack and was not doing anything that the midfield should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we skipped to the midfield in how we were trying to advance the ball. Um, they weren't making themselves available for a lot of passes. They weren't advancing the ball when they did get the ball. It was just kind of a mess. I don't know what they were being asked to do, but it wasn't wasn't going well. Um, but the more like this game watching this team versus uh Seattle made me wish we had Albert Rusnak on the, on our team because it was something that I used to mention on this podcast but as as one of Albert's strengths and we know that Albert wanted to be a more advanced player uh he wanted to be attacking player he didn't want to be on and he didn't want to be on the wing he wanted to be the 10 i Always was very happy with Albert's ability to possess the ball uh, and kind of calm things. He's very good at 
Um, he's a great dribbler and he's a great passer and he's very good at relieving some of that pressure. And I, Albert would, there were a lot of times when he was playing at the 10 or whatever, but he would find himself like almost level with the center backs in possession in the way that he was like, um, you know, getting possessing the ball and, and switching the ball. And I, uh, was watching what Albert was doing very intently for Seattle in this game. And I was like, man, that's a good midfielder. And he was playing really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it would be really nice if we had somebody in the midfield. Cause I mean, it should also be noted that Albert got moved to being, he's like a number, he's an eight for Seattle kind of, he's definitely not uh, a 10. He's not a winger. He's playing a like a deep lying midfield position and he's really, really good at it and it works really well for them. And it's kind of frustrating because especially when we consider how much money we are might be asked to pay uh, to buy out Brian Ojeda. Um, Albert Rusnak is a much better player than Brian Ojeda and, at this yeah, stage. Based on what we've seen this season, like and it's two games in, but based on what we've seen from Ojeda this season, like it's been a little rough. It's tough to justify Dude, they were, anything. They were passing circles around our midfield this entire game. Like anywhere on the field, our, our midfielders were just, they were chasing shadows the whole game. Um, Do you want to go through some numbers real quick? Let's, yeah, let's, well, yeah, we can, we can talk numbers. I could also talk some of these minute notes, but I don't even know how useful it really is. I did take, I did, there were some observations I had, but take me through the uh, the numbers first and we'll see if some of these notes reflect what, as a, what the numbers are as a team um comparing seattle to rsl uh 86% pass success for seattle 81 for rsl which isn't bad um but notably the lower one the lower numbers were up front chang and Soverino. chang 74 Soverino 70 it wasn't a great uh, passing game from Soverino. uh he no, had a lot well, of misplayed passes also yeah, and like you said, it was tough to get it up there because they just didn't really play through the midfield at all. Yeah, um, McMath chimed in with thirty-seven uh, percent pass success rating, so that's yeah. always good to hear. Um, Rusnak, since we're talking about him, Rusnak and Joao Paulo, uh, the two midfielders for Seattle, Rusnak had ninety-two percent, Paulo had ninety-four. So just just better. Caldwell and Ojeda, to be fair, like weren't terrible at passing, but they're not. As good as you need in that position. Caldwell was at 83. Ojeda was at 88. And Caldwell is, he honestly might go down as one of the most invisible players I've ever remembered playing for RSL. Like, I don't think I've ever, I don't think we've, I don't think we've had a player that I have noticed less on the field than Scott Caldwell. Yeah. I Which don't think isn't, that's entirely unfair. It isn't, like, at some level, that's kind of complimentary because. You don't necessarily want to be noticing your the, the the player in that position that frequently, but he doesn't do he's not extraordinary at anything. He is like the most middle of the road player I think we've ever had. <laughs> and it's kind yeah. of amazing. Well, and it's also like with the type of soccer that like you want to play, like that's not the position that you want to have your invisible guy in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you need him defensively. You kind of need him offensively at the very least to play through. Um, and I'm not really sure we did that very well. Um, 
Yeah, we, we it seemed like my big takeaway from like the way that we played this game, it seemed like we were keeping the ball on the ground a lot more, which was, I think, a better way to play the game. You thought we were supposed play- to? I, I did not feel like we were keeping the ball on the ground. I don't know compared if there's to, numbers for com- that. Compared to the first game of the season, and this is just eye test. I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, it seemed like we were passing the ball on the ground a lot more than we were in the first game. It seemed like the first game, it was like, Two or three passes, long ball. Two or three passes, long ball. And That's that how I wasn't felt about really this game. the case. Like most of my notes are much. like, most of my notes are like, uh, clearance to no one, ball over the top to somebody who's not good in the air. Like, okay, yeah. this is something like that's that, really frustrating me. And I hate that I'm about to say this, but I honestly think that putting Demir Krylock at striker might be the only solution to have to, to this team working. Because <clears throat> Demir Karlock is not a 10. He does not play like a 10. He uh, does not position himself in the attack as a 10 at all. There no. were so many times when the ball goes out to the wing and he is just mar- he's just on a center back alongside Anderson Julio. Like the two of them are, mark- are two center backs, leaving the entire middle part of the field open. And I don't understand the point of having a 10 uh, or ha- ostensibly having a 10 when... Um, like there Anderson Julio is not providing any value to this team as a starter. Uh Demir Krylock, the value that he provides is being a difference maker in in specific moments. He is not someone who's controlling the game at this stage in his career. He is not a great possessor of the ball. Um, but he it does have that that X factor that can make a difference in games. We saw it against Vancouver when he has one really good chance and he is absolutely clinical and buries that that's what he brings so i think it's important that he's on the field the problem is is we don't know how to play with a striker especially with demir krylock playing as just like a second striker when we should have a 10 so what we end up seeing is both Saverino and chang in some cases cutting so far into the middle to make up for the fact that demir krylock is leaving all of that space that like uh one time I noted that Sovereigno had cut in so far in the middle because he was like trying to move into the space of a 10 that he had ended up on the right wing just alongside Michael Chang. And then it was Anderson Julio and and Krylock just like standing together in the box. And I was like, what value is having both of these guys providing? There's just there just isn't any. And I think that whether or not we play uh, Diego Luna, who did look like one of the better players on this side, but he wasn't even playing as a 10 either. Um like we need to figure out what the best way to use Demir Krylock is. And I, we have not figured that out. And playing with another striker just like next to him is not, has not worked at all. Like Anderson Julio has not been effective as a starter, like a single time in his career for RSL. Like I just can't, I can't think of it maybe once. Uh, oh, actually it was with the first game of the season that we, uh, where we beat Minnesota United and both he and, uh, Rubio Rubin started and scored mm. and we won that game. That's all. That's the only time I remember him being effective as a starter under a yeah. notably different coach under notably a very different coach. And <clears throat> I don't see a way like if we're going to play a formation that requires a 10 to put like to be a 10, then we need to have somebody who can play the 10 in that position. Like we should not be playing a four, two, three, one. If we're just going to have, it it just we look so disjointed and we're asking for for 
for different things from different players. And it just doesn't make sense. I think the four, four, two worked at different times last year. Um, we, Demir Kralak wasn't on the field and there's just, there's not a good answer to this. And another thing that, that drives me nuts is the long balls for out of the back from either McMath or someone in the defense to try to target Demir Krylock, who honestly is one of our worst players at back to goal, like winning a, a ball out of the air when his back is to goal. Like, he yeah. is good at offensive headers when he's inside the box. But for some reason, when that man is looking, is playing with his back to the offense or uh, back to the other team's goal, and he's trying to win a ball out of the air from like a goal kick or something, he like never wins that. It's so weird. I mean, and he falls over constantly. It's because he's not a striker, right? It's not. Well, he's not. Like, yeah, that's the thing. So it's I, not that's the other thing. His is thing. that like, that's not what he does. I don't know. The only the reason I say he should be a striker is because I don't think he fits because of how bad we are at playing to strikers um that's where we should put demir Krylock, just because like it doesn't make much of a difference of uh like who who's in that position like if it's if it's not anderson julio does danny musovsky make a difference no does rubio rubin make a difference i don't think so and we might as well just put demir there because at least he's good in the air and our strategy very he's good in the air inside the 18 he's not good in the air when it's our uh goal kick or um you know, the keeper blasting the ball forward. He's yeah. not winning those balls out of the air, which is so frustrating. Um, there were so and many we were, things I noted uh, on here, um, but I, that they're like, when I first oh, noticed, I was I a little a couple worried. stats for you. Sure. Hit me. Uh, first is that Anderson Julio won zero duels, aerial duels and lost four. Oh, yeah? uh, Demir sure. won two and lost four. So there you go. Yeah, Demir, um, Anderson Julio's best headers came. He actually was like weirdly one of our better uh, defensive header headers of the ball on defensive corners. Like Anderson Julio had a few clearances with his head, which uh, the man can jump high. So that's that's good. Um, in the eighth minute, uh, we had a nice little interchange with Brody and Chang on the right side. This was like they, they, we, we did something that Seattle was really good at. Seattle is very good at creating triangles all over the field and then doing a little one, two touch passing to free one of those guys in behind while the other two players are occupying well, while they're occupying our defenders. And they did this over and over and over and over again. They create these little triangles. And if you just watch them, it's like, and, and to, and to Seattle's credit, they're very clean and crisp on the ball. And they, like I said earlier, they were making our midfield just chase shadows. And, there was a moment where we had a nice little in this is the eighth minute where Brody and Chang had a nice little combination. Brody gets position and is making a dangerous run inside. He's beat the defender and knew who just like catches up to him and bodies him off the ball more easily than I've ever seen anyone get pushed off the ball. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Um, and it ended up being a problem. But then, you know, there were there were times when um, I've just all these notes of like, Zach McMath is playing a, a long ball in the air to Andrew Brody, who's beat in the air, of course, because it's Andrew Brody. Uh, and I was, the, they just can't feel like that's a, the strategy. And that happened 20 seconds later. They were just, I don't know. We kept, I, I didn't see, uh, we were, we were playing the ball in the air a lot from my perspective, from what I was taking notes on. And we don't have a ton of guys who are very good in the air. So it's an interesting strategy when, Chang cannot jump very high. Uh, Savarino is really short. Uh, Demir Krylock gets pushed over easily. Anderson Julio is our best player in the air, I think, but like also not that tall, not that tall. And uh, he's 
anyway, so a lot of frustration there. Um, I, I kept noting about how well Albert was facilitating the midfield for Seattle. And it was just really, well, sorry. No, I was just going to tag on to what you're saying. It's just um, like the two teams are kind of like the opposites of each other in that exact way. They have a player like Albert, they have a couple players, but they have a player like Albert Rusnak that can like facilitate like those triangles that you're talking about. Like that's kind of one-on-one type stuff. Uh, and we just can't seem to do it. And I think it ties into the Demir Anderson Julio thing um, that you were talking about earlier, where we talked about this. At, I was talking about this with Colin at the game, but when they made the substitutions at the end, um, it, the question was like, what's, well, now what's the formation? Who plays where and what are we doing? And really, I think our attacking philosophy and formation is very much just like this not really strict, not really formational thing. It's just be up front, go get the ball, bring the ball to the front line and either like cross it in from the wing or try to dribble it to the end line and pass it back to the penalty spot. And like, those are the only two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the only two plans that we have going forward and any success that we've had so far this year. And most of the success that we had last year was from one of those two actions. It's either a cross yeah. into like Demir or it's get to the end line and pass it in. And yeah. I mean, it, and our goals. that kind of, that kind of plan doesn't use a 10. And so that just kind of encourages Demir to basically play striker. But if he's basically playing striker, then we can't really play to Anderson Julio's strengths, which are balls over the top that he can run onto. And it just, yeah. That's what we I don't, don't understand. Have, we're not playing. We're not. We're not doing. Pa- we're not passing long balls in behind. Like the reason why Anderson Julio yeah. is good as as a substitute is because when he's coming on, the game is usually shifted enough to where there's a lot more space in behind. Like one, yeah. either team is pressing for a goal, and like his most, the most, the times when Anderson Julio has been most effective is when RSL is leading or tied, and the other team is desperate to score, and there's space opens up in behind. That doesn't exist in in this type of game, and he'll like, he's just not going to be effective in these games. Like I don't I don't know what I don't I don't get the point of continuing to try to play him as a starter when we're not going to play to his strengths at all. I don't well, know and, if we're playing to anyone's strengths right now, to be honest. But yeah, like, exactly. That's you watch the way say. Alex rolled on, uh, Albert Rusnak and Christian rolled on co- combine on, on on their right side, and then you watch the and. The, the way Albert Rusnak and Joao Paulo like shift, uh, like that's, that's just a really strong midfield in MLS. And I know Sounders didn't make the playoffs last year. They did win CCL and then had a really weird season. But like the way Albert Rusnak and Joao Paulo shift in the midfield with each other, like the, the way they take each other's positions, the way they combine with like Nuhu on the left with Jordan Morris on the left. I was just like weird. And oh, and Ladero as well. Like having a midfield three of Rusnak uh, Joao Paulo and Nico Ladero, and they're the way that they can combine with their wingers is just like it's just a different level than what we're doing at all. And it and it's difficult to watch because I was just like, they're just playing soccer way better than we are, like just soccer, they're better at it, and yeah. Like, and it, it's, it's te- like, what do you even do about that? <laughs> like, it's just, tempting I mean, to just say, like, they're just better players and they just cost more money, and like, that's why. But it's important to note that they're playing better soccer in part just simply because 
they're playing fundamental soccer. Like those triangles, like that, like I said, that's one-on-one. That's, that's kid stuff. And that's what they're doing so well against us. And it's crazy that we couldn't defend it that well. And it's crazy that we can't do that. Like if we were both, if it was Seattle and RSL playing the same version of soccer, like clearly Seattle would be better. They're a better team and they've got better players. And like, that's a given, but Seattle wasn't beating us because they had better players just being better. Seattle was beating us because they were just playing fundamental soccer. Like they, they weren't doing anything that nobody's seen before. They were doing very basic, easy stuff. And like, we should be able to counter that. And we can't, we couldn't really contain it defensively and we couldn't replicate it offensively because we don't play like that. But again, like they're just simply playing to their players' strengths. They're just better at soccer. So they just play soccer better than the other team. And we're not doing that. The way that Mm. they get, the way they got uh, Heber or Eber, however you say his name. Heber. Um, Heber. Yeah. The way they get Heber involved in the play. um when you like those the commentators were talking about how good their attackers were at playing back to goal and just to get themselves involved in the play like come back into um the more advanced parts of the midfield one two touch lay the ball off and get and like go back to drawing defenders as an attacker and like how valuable that proved to be um was pretty uh yeah, it's 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 pretty nuts. And then um I I was going to mention that uh let's see. Oh, man, they they were talking about um and it was a good it was a good call out from the commentators, but they um <laughs> they were talking about how our fullbacks were just like were too high and too wide and they were essentially occupying the exact same space as our wingers. And so like there was no way to relieve pressure on the wings there. And that's why a lot of times we were just like ended up passing the ball back and having Zach McMath clear the ball to no one or to just try to get Demir to get ahead on it or whatever. It's because our wingers and our fullbacks were just on top of each other and how the commentators were talking about how easy that was to play, uh, play against because it was leaving us with lobbing the ball up as our only option. And uh, that's not an, uh, an advantageous situation to put ourselves in. Um, there was a really funny thing that happened uh, <laughs> in the thirty for or the thirty second minute, thirty one ten. There was a long goal kick from Zach McMath, and it got hit like right back to him, like it just like pinged really hard right back to him, and he just like picked the ball up again. And um, the crowd was booing a lot every time he had the ball because he was just taking forever, and it was like it's very so they're, funny like, to me because him. he's not a villain in any know, sense he, of the term. No. He was just they're like booing so loud. He like faked a little throw. They booed again and he threw it to Glad. And then Glad played the exact same long ball that that McMath had just played. Uh, to cr- but and it was supposed to be to Crylock, who like stretches for it, can't control it, and it just immediately gave it right back to Seattle for a really dangerous um, attack where they they didn't score, but they had a cross that was like a pretty nervy one. And it was just so weird to see us just. We literally just saw this fail but we got no other options. So we're doing it again. And then it just failed again and, and gave them such a dangerous chance. Yeah. Um, but they scored in the 35th minute and it came at the end of like some really extended possession from Seattle. And this was more of those little one, two touches among little triangles on the wings, like really nice overlaps, really nice combinations, quick switches, dribbles. A- Albert Rusnak was just, I, I honestly watched him more than anyone else on the field just because I was like, 
he is in i think he's in his best position right now i think when he when he finds himself in front of goal i think he can be a very dangerous player as we've seen in the past but like the way he's able to uh control the midfield especially for someone of his size I don't, he's not a particularly big guy um but they've like really got it figured out i think yeah. um and so this is the one where so uh, albert had it i think it was pretty close to the top of the box and then um alex roldan plays a, a cross and it stopped in in the box but the ball goes right back to him and literally no one pressures him at all at this point and what was so fascinating about this is like Crylock is easily the furthest one up the field he's just like not doing anything defensively at all and he's occupying a striker's position um but what he's ahead of the ball and just kind of hanging out up there and then Saverino and julio are kind of tasked to defend this situation and neither of them are quick enough to react and they kind of just let him they're like ah we'll just let him cross it again and then he crosses it again and it finds the back post it finds jordan morris who you know justin glad kind of misjudges it it gets over him and then it's just andrew brody versus jordan morris and jordan morris might weigh twice as much as andrew brody and he just like it wasn't even a competition he just uh header at the six back post mcmath I don't know. Didn't really have much of a chance, I guess. And he buries it. And I was just I, like, I don't get what Andrew Brody is. I, I get what Andrew Brody is doing there. I don't get why Andrew Brody is the player that ended up in that position. So you got three center backs within what, like five yards of each other. Yeah. And one player. And oh. I just, I don't know. Yeah, it was that one was difficult. I I, I hated how little Center pressure was put on Roldan for his for, with that cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was Alex Roldan had both assists on the night. I think if I remember correctly, um, and he is their right back. So, um, well, right backs are really good at assists. Our, our right back last year got plenty of assists. Oh well, he we're gonna have to rely on him a lot this year. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then. There was a promising oh, moment you? where um, in, in the th- 36, 21, there was a six on four break for RSL that just completely turned. Wow. That was I just knocked something off my desk that I, that just completely turned into nothing, um, which was, was pretty frustrating. Like we uh, somehow the, the play ended up just being like, try to play a ball in behind for Ojeda. Who's not the fastest guy. And then he's just like, just dissipated. Um, we had like little tiny moments where it seems like something could be developing. But nothing, nothing great. Um, nothing great, really. And then, you know, there was just more getting bodied off the ball and easy giveaways in the midfield and cre- giving Seattle chances. 41st minute, there was a really bad one. Um, and then Ojeda had a really bad one in the 44, uh, 45th minute. Uh, he, he, like, just didn't even try, really. I don't know what. Like, he tried to do a little outside the foot shot or outside the foot pass and like it was so lazy and it just was really misplaced this ended up being that one that zach mcmath had a pretty good save on where he mm. dove to his his left oh i actually skipped the uh justin glad goal line clearance i just remembered but um yeah that was uh <laughs> i actually think that would have been called offside having rewatched that one i think you're times. right actually i i was thinking the same thing it, it looked offside yeah. um but yeah that was a good good clearance by by justin and then I mean, the second half, we just saw a lot more of the same thing. It was the 58th minute. I I really started to notice that Demir was just completely not occupying the spot of a 10. And I was just getting really frustrated that um, 
we even had two strikers on the field when our mid we had two strikers on the field we had anderson julio we had demir crylock and we were getting destroyed in the midfield and i was just like we got to get another like tell demir to either play the midfield or take off julio and put in a, a put in luna and stick him in the midfield and see what, what can happen because it was just so clear that the midfield was such a big problem here and they weren't connecting well with our defense. They weren't connecting well with our um, attackers. And it was just, I was going nuts watching it when we, we, and we were talking about like the two ways we know how to score and to create chances. Uh, those diagonal crosses into the box just over and over and over again, seemed to be like our main strategy. We're like uh, 45 degrees from goal, I guess. And, um, we we try that so many times. It's like the only variation is like, okay, is Chang gonna cross it with his left foot or his right foot? Is it gonna be an in swinger or an out swinger? Like that's that's the big that's the big variation is like how is Chang gonna cross this ball? And there was a, uh, a moment in the forty seventh minute where we had three consecutive diagonal crosses into the box. The fir- uh, one of them was decent and forced uh, Stefan Fry into like a punching save. But then we just did the same things again and like just to absolutely no avail. And it was. Is very frustrating, but I, we did have, um, and we we were just giving them so much time on the ball too. I, I I was laughing about the well, maybe we could talk about the RSL way thing later. That thing you sent earlier, Matt. Oh yeah, sure. Um, about how this team is ostensibly supposed to play, but um, we one of I I would I think it's it's one of our better chances. Uh, Saverino had a shot from. Um, inside the 18 towards the middle of the box and it came after some nice um it was some nice play from chang brody and then sovereigno um and it was a ball on the ground and it was sovereigno hitting a shot he hit it over but i felt like from what i saw that was like the most threatening we really got was uh sava in a in a good space but kind of shanking the shot a bit good good contact just missed the target um, and then the 59th minute, this is this is their second goal. And this was, again, Bruce Nacladero, Jordan Morris with the triangle one-two touch passing, getting releasing Jordan Morris in behind after the way the way that they so easily did this to us, where it was like Bruce Nacladero, Morris, pass the ball around, wait to wait until defenders occupied two of our, two of these players, which was uh more or uh which was Rusnak and Ladero and Morris cuts in behind and they play it in in behind for him so easily. Um Morris gets in behind, tries to play uh that diagonal ball back to the top of the 18 or the, the penalty spot. It gets sort of deflected um and then it's crossed across the box, uh kind of like a cross goal cross. It was kind of weird. Uh Zach McMath saves it directly to Alex Roldan who just drills the ball back at the sixth and Haber Heber is just standing there kind of unmarked at the literally at the six. There's three guys around him plus Zach McMath and it just goes right to him and he just redirects it in. Um, It was kind of astounding, like how clinical that was like, yeah, it didn't go like, you know, there was a uh, deflection on the first one. There was a save on the second one, but it was like Zach McMath saved it. But it went to we had they had two guys just sitting at the back post and only one of them was marked. Um, I don't know, man. It was just real. It looked so easy for them, um, and they didn't seem stressed at all at any point that we were like really threatening uh, to score. Like at no point was this game out of control for Seattle. From the honestly, from like eight minutes on, they were just 
completely dictated everything. And it was uh, pretty kind of astounding to watch. Um, and for the rest of the game, it was kind of just like playing playing keep away. We, we made some subs. Gomez came in looking blonde as ever. Uh, he and Rubio came in for Julio and Chang and like, I don't know. Like I saw some, I saw some more promising ish things from, from Gomez this game versus last game. He definitely looked better than the Vancouver game, but I wasn't like blown away by any means. Um, I like, yeah. Anyway, Miram and Luna came in for Crylock and Scott Caldwell. I think that was the first time Scott's name was mentioned on the broadcast. Yeah. And, um, Luna was playing a more deeper midfield role and, you know, Miram came in and was playing more advanced. And uh, there were more like good chances for Seattle. Like uh, Hebert had one in the 79th minute where Zach McMath had a really good save on him on a one-on-one opportunity where it was just the two of them. Yeah. But yeah, like the rest of the game, I was just like, I, I rewatched this game. I watched this game twice and I, um, I rewatched it once. I've watched it twice. Just, I was really, listen, like Seattle, we know what they're capable of. We know they're a good team. Um, at some level, this kind of felt like that LAFC game last year where I was just like, yeah, this is just a team that plays better soccer than us. Yeah. Um, but less so, I mean, Seattle has really good players, but like, you know, uh, I don't think what they're doing is completely out of the realm of poss- of possibility of what RSL is capable of or should be doing, like what our expectations should be. Um, we call this a rivalry. It's important that we are competing each game. And that like, it's hard to say we were actually competitive in this game. I just didn't, I didn't see it. And I'm not saying that like we suck and this whole season is going to suck. I just was frustrated by this game a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, a great note, right? No, no. Do you want to hear some fun numbers? I would love to. Some fun stats. Uh, where they go? Yeah. Let's, I've got some fun stats too. Um, so RSL had five key passes in the game, which is a really low number. But what's most fun about this is two of them came from starters. Three came from substitutes. Yeah, I think Gomez probably had a couple of those, right? Gomez had two. Luna had one. Chang had one. Brody had one. Uh, it five, took us. Just so you're like saying on its own is a very another way of saying number. that is that three of our wait, how many key passes did we have? Sorry, five total all game. Okay, and three of them came after like the, the 72nd minute. <laughs> no, I mean, Gomez, Gomez came, on came in the 59th. So, okay, yeah, Gomez came in in the 59th right after they scored and then Luna came in in the 71st. So, yeah. Um So that's not good. Um what was the other fun one that we're going to look at? Oh, um between Caldwell and Ojeda versus the rest of the front four. Um more touches, more passes more accurate passes between Caldwell and Ojeda than the front four combined. That sounds about right for midfield, right? You want your midfielders with more passes. Yeah. I, uh, but. I mean, that's though that includes your wingers who we ostensibly try to play everything through though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in terms of, see. uh, overall attempted passes, uh, Justin Glad and Andrew Brody led the way with 58 and 52, then Marcelo Silva with 41. Uh, yeah, which yeah. like makes sense for a team like us who like ostensibly most of our possession is on the back line because they're the guys that are either passing it 
to the midfield or making the long ball pass forward that gets lost. So it's so wasteful. <laughs> um, what's yeah, amazing it's, it's, about that for me is that um, glad with 58 would be enough for one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on Seattle. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Um, Diego Luna had 14 accurate passes in the game. Demir Krylock had 18. Chang and Savarino had 17 and 16. That, that's, that's honestly eight. kind of absurd. Like that, and that kind of is the, the Demir Krylock problem, like where yeah. I genuinely do not know what the answer is. The only thing I can think of is to put him at striker since like he's basically playing there anyway. And if he's going to be on the field, like we need another person in the midfield because this midfield is not talented enough to like dominate with just the two of them. Regardless of what combination it is, if it's Paolo Ruiz, if it's Brian Ojeda, if it's Jasper Loffelson, if it's uh, L. Scott Caldwell from The Fugitive, I just don't <laughs> understand. Like, you kind of get what you pay for at certain at a certain point in the midfield. Um, and, you know, Albert Rusnak was a designated player for this team, and he's a TAM player at Seattle, and he is a really good midfielder. And... I don't know. Like you can see the difference I mean, but when also you watch like, him play versus when you watch. And like, it takes an entire team. It takes a lot of things. It takes coaching. It takes all of these things. And Seattle is a very well coached team. They've had, a, they've had continuity of coach for such a long time. He's yeah. Spencer was an assistant before he was, uh, before he, he got the full-time gig and he's been there for so long. A lot of these players have been there for a long time. And I understand all of that, but when they're, they there were a couple other moments in this game where they were just humming like they that just buzzing the ball around and didn't even end in you know a, a shot or whatever maybe ended in like us fouling them or something because we were caught out of sorts but just like when you watch them play i just am like i don't remember the last time i saw us like pass this well and you know they're laying the ball off they're doing like back heels they're making us look like freaking chuckleheads out there <laughs> and it looks like the most fun i've ever seen in my entire life i'm just like please the, pass the ball the, well the possession yeah. numbers which don't tell the whole story but tell the story of what we're talking about uh 60 possession through the game versus 40 percent for rso yeah. and it really felt like it like they just yeah. had yeah, the ball uh, the whole time yeah and like, you know it's just mm. exhausting to watch. Let, let's talk about the RSL way, because I think like, so, so to, to bring it up in a somewhat organic way, I guess. Yeah. Like as, as I watch this team, there's a, there's a common refrain among fans, about, among some fans, not all fans, um, which is, of course, Seattle is doing well. They're much better than us. And I'm not too bothered. And like, yeah. I, I get that on a single game level, right? It's like, we came up against somebody better and they beat us. I don't yeah. feel like, I don't feel great consternation about this game because it was an opponent we could beat. Uh, my big concern is we are, we now treat Seattle like a, a team that we shouldn't have any business beating. <laughs> uh, and that we yeah. are a team that doesn't beat good teams, right? That's that's what that says to me implicitly. Well, what's nice about that, Matt, is that like that's the reality, and our fans are facing reality now. Fans of the team, 
and they're seeing that and just acknowledging that there's like three teams in the Western and Eastern Conference that we just simply don't compete with. Yeah, I worry that number is going to be more than three this year. Oh, it, it for sure is. But that's the that's the thing that's so frustrating is we've just become complacent and accepted the fact that like we're just a mid table team, but at the same time, like. And this isn't a problem yet this season because it's it's two games in, but we were saying that like all last year and people kept getting mad at us for being negative, but like that's the reaction to a game like this is that we're not supposed to compete with Seattle because they're just way better. But at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know. This, this, I said it after the game that like, I was kind of joking, but also kind of serious. Like, I think the only thing we learned from this game was that Michael Chang might actually just be left-footed with the number of crosses that he puts in with his left foot. I was also going to say that he was taking uh, I don't think corners from the right side. He was taking corners from the right side with his left foot. Did you see that? I didn't notice that, but I did I notice, notice that between the first two games, <laughs> yeah. his crossing was probably like 70 to 80%, 80, 70 to 80, 70 to 80% with his left foot. And I don't think he's a left-footed player. Like, yeah. I don't remember <laughs> him putting that many left-footed crosses in last year or the year before but it seems like there's been a marked difference in like what foot he should be using and in the first game he mishit or just simply did not play good balls with his left foot in this game he probably had more yeah good than bad but yeah it's, it's like you were saying before like even if the cross is good it's into a heavily defended area against guys that don't want balls in the air or yeah. four guys that don't want balls in the air so like it's For just sure. it's a bad plan Something's got to change, and Matt, I know you should that tell us. Oh, sorry, it's, Trevor. I was just gonna say it's, something's got to change, and, and I know that, like the way we played against Seattle, is pretty much exactly the kind of way we expected to play against Seattle, and the game kind of went exactly the way we expected it to go because Seattle's just that much of a better team. Yeah, but I'm getting kind of sick of just being the team that like we go into every game, most games, just knowing that it's either going to be a, a an ex dog fight or we're just going to lose because we're just not a good enough team. And I'm sick of being like gaslit into being like, Nope, this team's good enough. Cause it just, it just isn't good thing. Just uh, we've got a document from the club that explicitly tells us uh, how we should be, what our expectations should be. Yeah, yeah. Matt, when did this, where did we, I know you found this document, but do we know when this document was put out? This was yeah. the like, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is not like thought, an old thing. I thought you pulled this from like 2014 or some girl. No, this is new. This is the where they re. This is we we purged ourselves of the bad people at the club, and this is us reestablishing who we are. This uh, is the Freddie Juarez, right? Yeah, this is Juarez. This is Tony Beltran really led the effort on this. Sure, and credit to him. This is a it's a beautiful document, it and is? Uh, I think it has some really good content not it's not just beautiful it has a good soul mm -hmm. uh anyway all right so like it's called the rsl soul. way you've probably heard about it if not just google it you can easily find a pdf of it uh include the anyway uh so there's a section that talks about real salt lake's on-field philosophy i'm just gonna read this verbatim <clears throat> the club and its fan base demand a certain level of football i'm gonna try to enunciate like tony beltran would okay Therefore, regardless of year, personnel, or any opposing circumstance, it is in the best interest of the club to produce football with the following metrics. Aggressive. Conviction to play 
attacking and industrious soccer, and to control the tempo of the game, regardless of scenario. Okay. Selfless. These next two are not that, not that outlandish. Prioritizing team success over individual accolades. Discipline. Okay. Organized, deliberate, and resolved in all areas of the pitch. Can you yeah. repeat the, the aggressive bit yeah. under that bullet point? Conviction to play attacking and industrious soccer and to control the tempo of the game, regardless of the scenario. Okay, so there's four points. Do, does this team reckon... Or, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Does this team follow any of those four points? Do they play attacking soccer or industrious soccer? Do they control the tempo of the game? And do they control the attempt tempo of the game regardless of scenario? I I do think all? we are we are an industrious side, right? We're always running. Oh, that's sure. true. That is one but of I our do. best qualities. We run a lot. Yeah, okay. controlling so, the tempo of the game regardless of scenario feels like yeah. a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, that's what we aspire to do. I don't. <laughs> so I don't think it's even what we aspire, do we aspire to do. To do I don't that? think we aspire to do that. <laughs> so I'm we, go is that the goal this of this game? game? No. So before this okay, game, so this is one what Pablo Mastroini had to say. There are going to be moments in this game where we're going to have to suffer. Oh, Seattle's a great team. They have a great coach. They play really well at home on turf, all the different variables. There's no denying the fact that there's going to be suffering. But it's really <laughs> taking advantage of the moments where we can get on top of the game. It's us that have to have the courage and bravery on the ball. And like we yeah. can now compare this game to Pablo's stated goals, right? We're not just plucking a quote out of thin air. This is Pablo Mastroini, Real Salt Lake head coach, talking about the game. Now we are talking about the game that has happened. Matt, do you think there was uh, suffering in this game? Yeah, I suffered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds yeah, like I suffered twice as much as me. Do you think Pablo was talking about the fans or the players? I'm The players. Do you think the players suffered in this game? I mean, I think so. sh- sure, but like oh, not in the God. way he's he means, right? But what he what oh. he's outlaying here is something that is you know Real Salt Lake is going to have to play defensive soccer most of the time here, and there are going to be times we can try to break forward, and we have a coach now that is fo- so focused on this reactive mentality. Like for a guy who talks so much about mentality and discipline and folding your clothes, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, no, my rant's so did, out here. But. Do you think we took our chances well? We didn't have that many chances. We we made we took seven shots, and two of them were on target. Is that did we take our chances well? No. Yes. I mean, we I, had. Two shots on target out of seven. That's uh, not good. Yeah, no, it's not. Seattle had eight how out of nineteen. Isolated Anderson Julio was on that. I just, I mean, like, I've got not, a lot of. It's going to be a long. It's it's a long season. A lot of games ahead of us. We've got a we've got an exciting home opener this week. I am looking for some big improvements over that Seattle game because okay. I did not enjoy that at all, um, and. Uh, we have a big opportunity against a team that is, I guess, one of the better teams in MLS. They were last year. They knocked us out of the playoffs, and well, they just you say that. 
yeah, they just uh, had a terrible showing against a Haitian CONCACAF opponent today where they got. They hadn't played in what, like 280 days or something. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't, I missed that. That's an, that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. So listen, I'm not, I'm not making any big declarations. I'm just saying again, stuff we said last year as well. It's like, let's, let's, uh, let's have, I mean, the club explicitly said fans should have expectations of this club. And I know that there has been a lot of obfuscation around what those expectations should be. Uh, but we shouldn't just assume that we're going to lose to any team in MLS. Like that's ridiculous. Um, and that yeah, should that, never be the assumption. If that is an assumption, then something's wrong. That was really like what Pablo said. The words he used were like silly and fun, but that's really was my problem with Pablo's comments before it was just that he was like, get ready guys. This game's going to be a slog. This game isn't <laughs> going to be fun, which like <laughs> it just isn't a good attitude. Like that's, I would rather he lie to me and say, oh, yeah, we're well prepared. We're going to go in. Seattle's a tough environment, but we're going we're gonna to win the game. Instead, he's like, hey, guys, bear down because this isn't going to be fun. Like, that's not the attitude that I want from a coach. That's not the attitude I want from a team. Um, I really want to stop talking about the Seattle game because it's just a whole lot of not good. We're not learning anything new or talking about anything new, and we're just rehashing old talking points. But yeah, it's just I don't like that attitude. I don't like that preparation. I don't like any of it. <sighs> yep. Anyway, we're playing Austin this weekend. Austin yeah, and I'm excited is... for the game. Ooh, 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 ooh. Before we get there, I have an update <laughs> on a previous topic. Oh, what's, what's the previous? What wait, what previous topic? Igloo, the the sleeping bag company. Oh, I yeah, okay. found it. What? It's a company in Texas, uh, and. Their contacts for the company. I'm going to post these in, in Igloo uh, Outfitters. Okay. Yeah. Igloo Outfitters. You can see the trademark there in Slack. And Did they seriously Igloo file Outfitters. their business license in February of this year? Um, uh, no. no. Yes. Uh, no. Yes. October. Is that a trademark? That's the trademark. Okay. okay. So October 2022 is when they formed as a business in Texas. That's pretty. And you can see, I'm not going to read these names out, uh, although it's public information. So if you want to find the officers of the company, it's super easy. But there are a couple of Utah names here. Uh, It looks like it's four women running it, or three women, rather, sorry. Um, And uh, I guess it's a new company. But I would advise them to have a website. I don't know. I wonder. Uh, do we wow. do we know these names? Are we supposed to know these names? Uh, I looked no. them up on Facebook and did not recognize them. <laughs> okay, all right. I thought you were trying to be like, oh, these are like tied to the club somehow. I don't recognize any of these names at all. No, but I would imagine that RSL is probably their first major client. Pro. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, they're man. Yeah, okay, that's awesome. Anyway, goodbye. Yeah, Good for them. I wonder how they secured the the deal there. That's pretty sweet. Um, I want I want a sleeping bag. That's gonna be useful for about two more weeks this year. So, who knows? Maybe it'll just snow forever. Oh, hopefully. Well, it doesn't look waterproof. So, no, that was my big worry about it. Was like, like I said, it doesn't look like it's outdoor wear. That's for the dry, cold months of uh, December, early fall. Um, Austin FC is one and one. They are ahead of us in the standings. 
but like who cares at this point in the season uh last year they were pretty good they were second in the western conference i think if that's right i think they were just behind lafc um they did play a mid-season mid-season a mid-week game like we mentioned they played tonight and got destroyed um i not incredibly familiar with their starting 11 who their starting 11 is but i think they kind of took the champions league game a little bit seriously Mm, um so so. they might be resting guys at the weekend i don't know um but i think like i mean it's the home opener we should be expecting to go out and beat whoever's in front of us i think that we beat austin at home last year didn't we i can tell you i thought Uh, we played two games and we tied remember at this point so uh drucy did not start their champions league game um in fact, he didn't even Dress? he didn't even play. Actually, he wasn't in the eighteen. Yeah, it looks like oh, they wait. played a largely uh, MLSX Pro side, right? I mean, Arunda started, Aruti started, Ethan Finley started, Nick Lima started. Um, their keeper started, uh, and they had some subs that are like normal players. But yeah, um, it right, doesn't so like, like a- uh, Jerusi was there. Not like playing, a B plus squad. Yeah, Sounds it's like. not their full strength squad, but they were playing. Like I said earlier, like there's not a single player on this opposing team that even has like a uh, Wikipedia page. Like, yeah, this is like a, a bunch pretty... of scrubs and lost to them. But that's the team that's coming to town, and they are coming from um, a low altitude, tropical ish climate to a high altitude, very winter climate. So. I don't know. I don't know how much the like home field advantage, weather, climate stuff matters, but it might have an effect on the team. Let's yeah. hope so. So we'll see. Uh, the home team has won every game between these two sides so far. Oh, All five yeah. of them. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, and uh, people show up early. There uh, is going to be fun stuff going on in the supporters' lot. There is a. Uh, the announcement about America first or field is happening before um, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a fun day. We're going to win. There's going to be tacos. We're going to win. And there's going to be tacos. There's also the most important thing that's going to happen that day. Dress warm. Maybe. Uh, yeah. You should probably dress warm, but also it's my understanding that the homebrew um, thing is, is totally on and it's going to be on Saturday. That's right. So show up, bring five bucks, and drink a bunch of uh, beers and ciders, if that's your thing. Obviously, if it's not your thing, I get it. But it's a big party. Lots. Make of fun. sure you bring your fake ID so you can get Make the sure thing you bring from the club. Fa- there will be people right. that are checking the IDs there, so you have to have your ID. They're they're not going to just believe you. Um, you get a commemorative glass, and it's a great time. It's my favorite part of the the home opener. Be there, enjoy it, have fun. Um. Yeah, cool. should be a fun game. Really excited to see you guys all there. Yeah, it'll be uh, good to hang out. I'm really excited. Awesome. All right. Well, is that <laughs> we, it? We do not sound thrilled or excited. I'm very excited for the game. Seriously, <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> we're just we're, we wasted all of our energy draining on talking about the Seattle game, and we don't sound excited at all. I want to yeah. make it very clear. Like, I'm I'm very excited. F wording stoked for the home opener. Mm-hmm. I'm just not in the mood right now because we just spent an hour talking about 
that trash game last weekend. Yeah. Hey, hey Trevor, when yes. when is the closing show? It's not on Saturday, is it? The what show? No, the it's on Thursday. Program. Okay, just wanted to make Thursday. sure. <laughs> Want to help you be a good dad. So I may not be at the Thirsty Thursday thing. If there is a Thirsty Thursday thing, if there is, I'm sure the club. I would hope. Uh, we'll post about it on Twitter, and it will probably be at Beer Bar or Kaye. And if it does happen, you guys should show up. It's always a good time. Yes, it will be. All right. So I, I guess this is else? where I hit stop. We will see you next time. See you later. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.